Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast. Powered by the State of Louisville Network. It is officially week one of the college football season. I am your host, Jacob Lane, from the Pink Seats at the State of Louisville Podcast Network. And we are finally here to talk Louisville football versus an actual real opponent. Matt, welcome into the show. You've had a busy morning. Depth chart is released. Uh, You are scrambling this morning, aren't you, buddy? Yeah, I know. Literally five minutes before we're supposed to go on, I see that the depth chart got released. So I had already had something pre-planned on my site, but I wanted to kind of sift through and figure out like what exactly changed and all that good stuff. And I've got a whole bunch of other stuff planned for the day. I know we're supposed to talk with the offensive players later today. It's a game game weeks in full effect. (laughs) This is what we have been asking for, for the last six months as we talk through the off season, Matt McGavick of the Louisville report sports illustrated. And we've got a special guest. We teased this on social media just a little bit ago. We teased it in the last episode and I jokingly told, um, I told our guest here that I did so because I didn't want to botch his last name. So we've got that sorted away. And now I'm super excited uh, to announce uh, that Vincent Lacoco, former Louisville player, uh, former Louisville staffer, is uh, joining us today to talk Ole Miss and uh, hopefully going to be joining us here through the season to talk Louisville on a weekly, bi weekly basis. Vince, welcome into the show, man. How are you? Uh, I'm great, guys. Thank you all for having me on. I mean, def- definitely a different experience for me, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that most um, like serious Louisville football fans who know the roster up and down are familiar with your name. Those who are from the city of Louisville, probably more so because of your days playing at Trinity. But those who don't know you, give us just a quick uh, synopsis of, of your football background and how you got to this point. Uh, well, graduated Trinity in 2016, uh, came to Louisville, uh, was here, played all the way up until the spring of 2019. I had two ACL injuries, basically. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of my career. I saw a limited time. I played fullback, started out as an inside linebacker, just wasn't tall enough or fast enough for that, obviously, with uh, guys like CJ and Monte, Monte out there. So uh, I was Tobias Little's backup for a year and a half, and then I got hurt. And uh, under a year toward the second one, and Coach Satinham offered me a great opportunity to come up and uh, work as a student assistant. And, you know, I did that for two years, for 2019 and 2020 with uh, – Stu Holt and Gunter Brewer in 2020. Coach Brewer, baby. So, I mean, with your experience at fullback, no Big Ten school came calling? <laughs> no, I actually, Reggie Bonifant was the one that put fullback into my brain. After I committed, uh, we were at a basketball game, and he was like, you know, you're pretty, pretty good size for a fullback. Be awesome to throw some swing passes to you or anything like that, Some something in the flats, get you a touchdown, and me being a defensive guy my whole life, I was like, ooh, touchdowns, that sounds good. So, <laughs> uh, day one, I went in and I wanted to be a fullback, and Coach Petrino had other ideas, so I went to linebacker. Uh, imagine that, Coach Petrino with other ideas. <laughs> mm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they moved me back to fullback and uh, was there on the offensive side all the way up until uh, spring, uh, this past spring where I was with, uh, finished up with Coach Brown in the defense, helping him out and those guys, so. Well, awesome stuff. We are super excited to have you here. Your football acumen will definitely help fill in the gaps where Matt and I are just complete and total doofuses. We do our best. We, we think we know what we're talking about some of the time, but it's definitely nice to have a football brain here. Let's jump right into this. Louisville and Ole Miss, it's a game we've been waiting for now for several years. Chick-fil-A kickoff classic on Monday night, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Scott Satterfield versus Lane Kiffin. Um, Matt, you got to hear Scott Satterfield talk yesterday. Uh, before we jump into the big three and, and talk into some of the storylines, just kind of quickly, Matt, summarize uh, Scott Satterfield and what he had to say about Ole Miss. Uh, he spent a lot of time talking about how they've just got to be prepared for the fast pace that Ole Miss plays at. And just doing a little bit more background research into that after the presser, I mean, I, I, I kind of had an idea that Ole Miss, like, you know, played fast and lit up the scoreboard. But it, it, it's hard it's hard to truly, like, summarize it unless you just spit out, like, the pure stats. They ran – the fourth most plays in college football last season. They have the third highest scoring, not scoring, third highest total offensive per game yardage at like 555 yards per game. So like they, they can put up points. It's, it's when I've uh, finally got into researching those that it, I truly started to grasp. This isn't just talk like Ole Miss really does play fast. And so a lot of the, the focus in the first few minutes, of the pressure was him talking about, how they have to be on their P's and Q's defensively, how they'll have to make sure that uh, they need to get lined up as, as the, the players, as a staff, they need to make sure they do a good job at actually getting their calls in and they just need to be disciplined and just know when the offense is about to snap the ball and just keep the guys in, in front of them. That was what was spent most of the time um, when talking specifically about Ole Miss. Of course, he spends a little bit of time complimenting Matt Corral. And, I mean, when he's, a, when he's a Heisman dark horse candidate, it's hard not to, you know, talk about him a little bit. I mean, he, we know what he can do uh, through the air. He's had over 3,000 yards passing, completed 70% of his pass of his passes. And he had, when I looked up some basic stats on him, he had over 500 yards rushing. So I wouldn't call him a dual, a pure dual threat QB, but you know, he, he's got the potential to run. What does the preparation look like? How do you prepare, you know, say you've got a team that plays with pace in a practice. How, is it just calling more, more snaps, more plays? How does that kind of come in and you prepare for that? Yeah. So it's, it's just a lot more fast paced of a practice. You just gear things up a little bit more. Coach Brown might decide to, you know, let's throw three or four extra cards on this scout team look right here and see how many we can really get in uh, during this period. And he's going to try and get his calls in as fast as possible. And scout team offense is going to try and go as fast as possible as well so everything's just kind of ramped up a little bit and then whenever you go against the normal offense whenever you go team period uh you know coach that might say we you know we might go fast right here so they might start offense our offense might start going fast to get the first team defense a better look they'll be ready for a fast-paced offense and I'm, i'm actually very excited to see this defense week one against these guys a lot of excitement leading up to this game just before we came on the new uniforms released, which are are beautiful. I, I do think that they kind of look a little bit like what I've seen in the Pat mask. Matt, what do you think in terms of like the, just the overall look? I know Presley was pointing out, they are extremely different to him, but to me, I thought they were cool color wise. Other than that, I didn't really see much difference. I mean, I, I like them. I'm not going to poo poo on them just because they're not murder bird. <laughs> you got dude you got quite a response on that i thought that like there was a lot of things little football that's captivating murder bird was not the one that i was expecting to get I twitter popping murder bird that was one of my low-key favorite alternate uniforms louisville has ever done i think 
I think my favorite one were the smoky gray and black that they wore against FSU in oh, yeah. 14, I believe it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite. Murder Bird is a close second, though. I love it. I don't care what anyone says, Murder Bird for life. But on the action uniforms itself, I like them. They, they kind of look like the NFL's color rush, like the college version of the NFL color rush. A lot of, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it's, it's no different from the normal uniforms. And then I know in our uh, group chat, Precious is like, well, actually. And then he listed a whole bunch of things. Like he, it's like he took the reveal video and treated it as like this Bruder film. Breaking it down frame by frame. I'm not, I mean, literally, that's what we were looking at this morning. I'm curious to see what Ole Miss is going to wear. Have we seen those yet? Have they released anything? I don't think they have. Uh, it'd be it'd be cool to see them wear some form of their kind of powder blues. I, I'm really big on those. No doubt. Yeah, those are those are some of the the sexiest college football jerseys out there just in terms of the color. All right, let's jump into actually talking about what's going to happen on the field besides the uniforms. Look at my mom always used to tell me it's not about what you wear, it's how you play. But mom, it, it is a little bit about what you wear. I think I, I think we, hey, we got to talk about what did, that. What did Deion Sanders say? You look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. I mean, now that in the age of NIL, they pay good. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into the big three. For those of you who are not familiar with the show, the big three is simply the three biggest things that are out there. We've been doing storylines for most of the offseason, Vincent, because just because you've had transfers, recruits, all kinds of stuff. We're going to do this from a game planning perspective here um, or looking at least as a, at a game preview. So let's start with number one. Big three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big three. Come on. The biggest offensive storyline. Uh, we talked a little bit about it before we jumped into the big three. The speed of the game. I think pace and uh, what Louisville does with holding on to the football will be extremely important. Vince, what do you think is the most important or what's the biggest storyline for the offense in this game? I think it's replacing guys like Dez and Tutu. Everybody has a lot of question marks on this wide receiver room, and I'm actually quite opposite. Uh, I love this wide receiver room. I think it's Honestly, one of the better ones we've had of years past. There's a lot of spots they can spread the ball around to. Braden Smith, Justin Marshall. I mean, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Jordan Watkins. I mean, the room is loaded. You have the best wide receiver coach in the country, so expect a lot of big things out of those guys. And uh, they're going to make a lot of plays. Coach Brew always says the freaks come out at night. I'm pretty excited to see those guys. Matt, what do you think, man, in terms of just the big storylines? I think it's going to be, excuse me, the offense's ability to maybe keep pace in a shootout. I know in – in prior episodes, we've talked about can can this team play in a shootout week one? If this I said in the last episode, if this game was in week ten, I would feel a lot better about Louisville's overall ability to keep pace because at that point they'll have a better understanding of what they have on offense. And Satterfield, he's really high on his own, on his own line. He's really high on his group of tight ends. He likes what he has at running back. He is really complimentary about Malik Cunningham, and based on everything we've heard from coaching staff and whatnot, he's looking more so like his 2019 self than his 2020 self. But the the big question is, as good as Malik looks now, who is going to who are going to be the guys that step up to the challenge in the wide receiver room? I mean, we've got a they've got a handful of guys who can. You've got Justin Marshall. We've heard great things about him in camp. Uh, Tyler Harrell is he came from pretty much nowhere to just be this absolute speedster and camp and camp standout uh, Jordan Watkins is he going to capitalize on some of the momentum he had last year there's a bunch of guys who have the ability to to you know to shine and step out and separate themselves 
but who are going to be the guys that actually do it? I think if this was like even a few more games into the season, you'd start to have an understanding of who is taking advantage of the newfound opportunities with Tutu and Desgon and who isn't. It, it's going to be a little bit difficult to figure this out week one, especially in a situation where you, you pretty much will have to put up a bunch of points to win. That's, that is probably, I think Louisville's biggest concern heading into this game is if the offense can keep pace with Ole Miss's offense, getting, given all the question marks they have on the receiver room. I completely agree with you. I, I think that the pace of this game and, and whether or not it's a shootout is something extremely important to watch. But the more and more I kind of look at what Ole Miss does and how quickly they score and just how explosive they are. I mean, that's no secret to anybody. I, I, I just keep coming back to I, I think that this game is going to center around Louisville's offensive line being able to establish some sort of dominance early on and running the football. I think Louisville has to win the, the time of possession by, you know, a, a good chunk. I don't really know what the normal margin would be for a, a win and, you know, time possession, what a, like a good number would be. But Louisville has got to have the football more than Ole Miss. They've got to be able to have long sustained drives that go 10, 11, 12 plays, six, seven minutes where they can get first down. You know, you set up, set up yourself on first down with a good run to be able to come back with something on second down in the passing game and then on third down those short yarded situations. Trust that Jalen Mitchell is going to be able to get you those yards that you need or that you're going to be able to go to a guy like Shy Wirtz or, um, you know, Jordan Watkins for, for a quick, you know, couple of yards. I think that's going to be the most important thing here. And early on, we're going to know how good the offensive line is. There will be no wasting time here. I know Ole Miss's defense has kind of been the butt of jokes for them, um, but they are still SEC talented up front defensively. Um, right. And this offseason, Louisville's you know, offensive line, one of the big focuses has been getting bigger. You know, they obviously are now up all over three bills. You've got Trevor Reed on the left side, who is an extremely athletic guy. Uh, I just think it's going to be extremely important for them to have the football for a long time. What do you think, Vince? i got to agree with you. Just, you know, holding on to the ball for a long time, keeping that offense, Ole Miss's offense off the field. Our defense can just get a couple stops, and our offense can run the ball like they normally do and then work the play action and off of that. I, I think we should be fine with that. O-line-wise, Renato Brown, he's he's a big physical dude. I'm excited to see him on the tackle side. Uh, Caleb Chandler, he's been doing a good job holding it down. Uh, Cole Bentley, he just needs, you know, mentally, I think, I think he just needs to make the checks and uh, get up to those uh, linebackers and do this thing. So I'm curious what you think, like, in, in terms of the transition. Last thing here before we go to the defensive side of the ball, what you what you think of the transition at left tackle with Trevor Reed, just being around <clears throat> the program last year and seeing what they had in Adonis Boone and then obviously being there in 2019 with Makai and knowing what he was. Uh, is Trevor Reed, you know, going to be, you know, a big game changer for them offensive line-wise? You're never going to get another Makai back then. I mean, that's, of course, that's, right. say, 330 pounds of just that can run like a deer. But Trevor Reed, he is very athletic. Also, everybody saw him do a backflip at 300 pounds. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Uh, he's not as physical as Makai, but he's just as athletic, and I think he's going to do just fine over there on that tackle side. Yeah, what they do and being able to protect uh, Malik. We heard Scott Satterfield talk about how important it is to keep a clean pocket for Malik and just how good he is when he has that uh, combined with the fact that you want to get the ground game going. The offensive line is going to be of the utmost importance. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball with our second portion here of the big three. Yeah, big three. Come on. Matt, what do you think is the biggest storyline defensively for Louisville in this game? I, I think it's going to be is – is the uh, front seven going to be able to generate as much pressure? Now, I know a lot of people are going to 
uh, look at the secondary and probably point that out as, a, as an arguably bigger storyline with them going up against Matt Corral and his ability to spread the ball out around the field. They've got to, at some point, at least make him somewhat uncomfortable, kind of throw him off of his game. Otherwise, Matt Corral, he's got the talent. He, he's going to dice up Louisville's defense all day. My, my biggest concern with Louisville is, are they going to be able to generate the amount of pass rush pressure or enough pressure out of the backfield? Because Ole Miss has a pretty good running back in Javion uh, Ely. Is that how you pronounce his name? I know. Yeah, I'm Jerry not, on Ely, yeah. Jerry on Ely. I know I'm not normally the one that butchers names, but <laughs> here I am. But anyways, they need to be able to get a lot of pressure in the backfield and not just on the quarterback to at least try and throw a wrench in, in Ole Miss's overall offensive game plan. Because if, if, if they can't generate any pressure at all, I mean, Louisville has no shot to win this game because Matt Corral is going to find the time. Lane Kiffin's going to be able to scheme scheme all circles around Scott Satterfield and company. So they, they need to try and set the tone early with both going after Matt Corral and trying lim- limiting uh, Ely. Maybe not f- completely stop him because – Ole Miss and their offense is too good to be completely stopped, but slow them down and try and limit one facet or another, maybe try and take away one receiver or take away one part of the field and try and force them to do one thing versus another. Vince, what do you think, man? Biggest storyline for the defense against Ole Miss. I have to agree with you. We we have to get pressure on this quarterback. We have to be able to stop the run. I mean, the quarterback corralled through 14 interceptions last year. So that tells me if we get pressure on him, he's going to throw it up there. And I know from watching film, he's a bit of a hothead. Uh, if we can get the pressure on him, get him playing out of his game, get him to where he's frustrated a bit, I, I think he's going to make some mistakes to where uh, our DBs are going to be able to capitalize on that. One thing I'm really going to be watching for in this game, the biggest storyline for me, is how do all the newcomers um, assimilate themselves into the defense Vince, you've gotten the firsthand opportunity of watching what happens when one guy is out of place on defense for Louisville the last few years. Matt and I talked about it last week on the preview show. Uh, It's just unfortunate how one or two little small errors defensively gives up a 60, 70 yard play that ends up making the difference in a game. For me, I want to see how uh, Brian Brown, how the new coaching staff gels together on the defensive side of the football Um, how the guys line up, making sure everybody's in the right place, no penalties, and then making sure that there's, no big plays over the top. I think that's going to be extremely important for this defense, obviously. And, you know, again, it's it's one play here or there that we've seen break games for Louisville, Miami, and perfect example of what happens when you have one guy out of place. So for me, if those guys are in, and you're shaking your head at me, I, I, is that a sore spot? Did I did I touch a sore spot there? <laughs> Sorry about the play with Marlon. Where uh, at the sideline, where Marlon character turned the wrong way. Is that yeah, you? there's that one. And then, you know, you had Isaiah Hayes uh, getting hurtled a couple times. You had guys just, you know, shortly out of it, it was very, it, it was very obvious to a football person watching it, like, okay, this guy stepped in here. But to the, to the naked eye in the game, it's like, holy crap, there's nobody within 50 yards of that guy. I, I yelled ball to Marlon down that sideline and he just turned the wrong way. So. Oh, so is it your fault? Is that what you're telling me? No. <laughs> yeah. <I'm laughs> <for that> one. <laughs> oh my goodness. The ghost of Marlins past is Vince yelling ball from the sideline. That that's the that's the untold story right there. Was, oh, that was a running joke with all all our guys after the season, all the other student assistants I worked with. We'd always they'd always give me crap for that one. So. Every time you walked in, they just be like ball to try to make sure you go the wrong way. Yeah, but that's it's gonna be important. I mean, like we talked about all offseason, Matt. It's it's the little details that have, have occasionally gotten lost. And I think that 
in year three when you have the leadership that you have. I, I know that Duncan is new, Quintario Cole is new, but you have Monty, you have CJ Avery, um, you've got Tiberius Peterson, you've got all these guys who have been here for four or five years um, who should be able to help um, and a team effort, make sure that guys are lined up, make sure that guys know what the play is, where they're supposed to be. And with that fast-paced offense, it makes it even more important. Yeah, and to to tackle. It, it's funny you mentioned the little things because that's that's actually exactly something uh, Satterfield brought up in the tail end of his presser on Monday. Like They have to be able to execute the, some of the finer details. And I thought it was funny because he used the Illinois-Nebraska game as an example. He, I didn't actually watch the game because I value my sanity. Uh, <laughs> But the opening points from that game was a safety that was that came across because of a punt that was unnecessarily fielded in the end zone. And I, I'm pretty sure we saw it in 2018 at some point, but I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm not even saying that jokingly. I'm almost a hundred percent certain. I, I remember seeing that in 2018, but it, it's little things like that because if, if Nebraska didn't pull that off, I mean, they, they probably get a touchback and they, they're setting up their drive. Not, I mean, not in the greatest field position, but it's better than starting off the game with giving up a safety. There were things like that, and he reiterated the, the field position game and the hidden yards there. I, I say all this to circle back to if Louisville can execute some of the finer details more efficiently, they'll not only have a better chance in this game versus Ole Miss, but in the rest of the game throughout the season. Perfect segue into our third part of the big three here where we wrap things up. Big three, come on. Biggest coaching storyline. Vince, I want to start here with you. In this game, what is the biggest coaching storyline for Louisville football and Scott Satterfield's staff? I know Lane Kiffin is, he doesn't like to dink and dunk you down the field. He's going to take big shots. He's going to go fast. I know what we do, what we do very well, and uh, what we needed to work on in the offseason. Uh, so it all, it's all kind of dependent on whether or not Malik really honed in on those turnovers and how our safety play is, you know, on the back end. The safety play was pretty poor last year. So, you know, we got the great upgrade with Kendrick and Q Cole coming in. You guys are in for a treat with Kendrick. I mean, he's very Josh Harvey Clements-esque. So, you know, get ready, get ready for that one. Just a big dude back there that can cover a lot of ground. Control Clark. Obviously, getting all the preseason accolades and stuff like that, but he doesn't focus on that at all. He's a very uh, put the blinders on and just get to work guy. And Chandler Jones, I've seen, is getting a little bit of safety work too, but he's going to do great at the other corner spot. And you got Greedy Vance right there, who's you know nipping at all their tails, just waiting for a mistake to be made so he can get in there. I think that that, that is a great point that you make there. One thing I'm really curious of is the chess match between the two of them because I think. For between uh, Scott Satterfield and Lane Kiffin, that's my big storyline for this game is how does uh, Scott Satterfield try to counter what Lane Kiffin is going to do? Obviously, Lane Kiffin has a tall task to replace Elijah Moore, the second round pick of the New York Jets. I know there's been a lot of talk about um, Jerry on uh, Ely. There's been a lot of talk about. Uh, I, I believe Braylon Sanders, Sanders is his last name, most positive wide receiver from Ole Miss, a couple of other guys. They've got weapons, but like Louisville's got the top corners. So knowing that, how does uh, Lane Kiffin try to test Scott Satterfield? How does Scott Satterfield try to counter that, knowing that Lane Kiffin is going to try to get these other guys involved and just try to do tricky things, considering that they've kind of got the upper hand on the cornerback and secondary part of the field. And then for, for the defensive side of thing, you know, you can't, you can't go in too much on the pass rush against a guy like Matt Corral. If you can't get to him, you're putting your secondary in a tough spot. So how do they kind of, how do they handle that? How do they handle Ole Miss when they blitz? It's just going to be really fun to kind of watch 
Scott Satterfield go up against a guy who is considered to be one of the top offensive minds in the country. He's one of the top personalities in college football. Scott Satterfield doesn't really even come close to comparing to that, nor does he even strive to be like a top personality in football. He's just this wholesome, happy dad who's just, you know, golly gee, this is so much fun that we get to play football. So I'm excited to see um, how the like energy of coaching against Lane Kiffin comes out of, of Satterfield and just the energy on the sidelines. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm really excited for it. Matt, what do you think biggest coaching storyline? I mean, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see who out offenses the other, because we know about Lane Kiffin and his background with, with his offensive acumen and whatnot coming from uh, Alabama and FAU and whatnot. And we know that Scott, Sauer, Scott Satterfield, uh, has is the offensive minded coach sitting from his days at App State. So, yeah, but I'm also interested to see how the new position coaches fare in their Louisville debut. I'm excited to see what this offensive line looks under Bicknell. I'm excited to see how the stable of running backs performs under Sims. Considering three of the four position coaches that came in this, this offseason are on the offensive side of the ball, I think that adds to the overall amount of questions surrounding the offense. But I think that they've got a tremendous opportunity ahead of themselves. And this is going to be a, a, I know we've, there were a couple of games in our preview episode that we used as a quote unquote litmus test, but this could be a litmus test for the coaching staff to see how they're going to fare for the remainder of the season, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because while the deep, the deep, the defense only lost one position coach over there, whereas the offense had the most shakeup on, in terms of you know, the overall coaching staff. So I'm excited to see how the people under Satterfield, perform this game and not so much the chess match between Kiffin and Sat. All right. That was the big three, big uh, three things surrounding Louisville football and Ole Miss. And there's a lot of great conversations and a lot of ways that we could go from that um, matchups to watch. What are the, what are the kind of key matchups here? We've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, obviously the big weapons for Ole Miss, the pass rush versus Matt Corral, but individually, um, what do you guys think in terms of the, the kind of matchups that are going to be key indicators, whether Louisville wins? Matt, you can go ahead. I think it's just going to be Matt, uh, Matt Corral versus the secondary. Because like I said earlier, it's not going to be if they can stop him because he's too good of a quarterback to outright stop. It's going to be how, how much they can slow him down. And of course, a lot of that factors into if the, uh, the front seven can, you know, make him a little bit uncomfortable and put some pressure into him. But we saw several times last season that, uh, the defense, the Louisville defense was able to get some coverage sacks because the secondary was doing such a good job of locking down receivers down the field, whether it be wide, uh, wide receivers on out routes on uh, outside the numbers, or maybe some of those guys kind of playing insides and some of those inside receivers and even some of those tight ends. So it's going to be, regardless if the front seven can get pressure, I'm interested to see how the secondary responds to, Ole Miss spreading out the field as well as they do, because that's something that Sat mentioned in his presser. One of the keys to Ole Miss's overall offensive success is because they can spread, they can hit you anywhere on the field, north, south, east, west. They can spread that ball better than most other programs in the nation. So it'll be interesting to see how the secondary responds to the, the various motions and what kind of routes and what kind of routes they can pick up for the receivers that they run and try and outsmart what they're doing and try and get a uh, try and get a step ahead of Matt Corral if they can do that more so than you know take a, a wrong read or have a guy go over the top if they can find a way to kind of slow him down and make and make him like go from one read to the next and kind of kind of go through his progressions to the point where he might find himself into a coverage sack 
I think that's going to be one of the bigger keys. I think what it boils down to is that you cannot let Matt Corral just sit there and make plays. Mm-hmm. Yes. Someone's someone's got to make an impact, whether that's the secondary locking down the locking down the receivers or the front seven um, forcing Corral to make uh, some, uh, faster decisions. Yeah, I'm really curious to watch uh, Cottrell Clark go up against Braylon Sanders. He's their leading receiver from last season um, behind Elijah Moore. He had four touchdowns, 376 yards. We'll step into that number one role, I assume. Uh, let me put that caveat on there because it could be somebody completely different. But point being, the number one wide receiver versus Cottrell Clark, I think he wants to come out and make a statement. There's been a lot of talk made mostly by this show of the secondary's inability to catch footballs last year. Matt and I joke, Vince, that – they led the country and dropped interceptions. I think Scott Satterfield said they had seven uh, last year. Yeah, um, seven or eight. I think that's that, what Brian Brown said. That, yeah, it's a high number, none the least. And I, I think that um, when you have – I know it's interesting you say he's a guy that puts the blinders on and doesn't hear the noise. But from just a, a, a standpoint of narrative and, and the football entertainment side of things, he's a guy who could be a national All-American by season's end. Wants to make that statement week one. I'm I'm Jair. I am the guy that locks down half of the field here. So I'm really curious to see how well he does. Um, in terms of uh, him as a cover corner, you've watched the last two years. I know he was only there last year. So really last year is the, the only answer you have to go off. See a guy that follows a wide receiver. Is he going to follow their number one guy? Or do you think that they kind of see their sides of the field and they just go wherever Ole Miss lines up? It it's kind of depends on what, uh, B. Brown wants to do, whether or not he decides, okay, we can stick Trey on this dude, or, you know, we can afford to play Trey to the boundary or to the field during this scenario. I don't, I'm not sure which side of the field he might want to play him on, but Trey's got some unbelievable feet. Very, like you said, very much so like Jair. Like his feet are very, very quick. And the one thing he needs to work on, like everybody's noticed, is just him catching the ball. And I know he's put a very big emphasis getting with Brewer, just actually you know, figuring out how to shape the ball. A lot of people don't realize that there's a lot that goes into catching a football. They think it's just a natural thing that every football player should be able to do. That's just not the case. You have to actually shape the ball to your hand to be able to catch it. And uh, whenever you get in the film room and with the amount of cameras they have going on, uh, you can get it to where you can see, okay, where are my hands during this? Should I place them a different angle? Should I have done this, that, and the other. And I think that might have played into, you know, Trey getting here late and not really having a true offseason and all that stuff, not getting to work on the things that he, you know, might have, might not have known he needed to work on. Yeah, and that is that is incredible insight there, the, the, Gunner, the Gunner Brewer portion of that, just the, the, the work ethic that that kind of screams. A guy going to the wide receiver coach, being like, Coach, you got to help me catch the football here so I can kind of, you know, turn, the, turn these opportunities into, you know, game-winning opportunities. That's really insightful there. Um, Matt, what do you think in terms of – we've talked about what we think is going to be the biggest X factor, what what we think is going to be kind of the biggest storyline, but is there a player in your mind that you're kind of keying in on as as somebody to watch and having an impact on a game that maybe we don't really know about or maybe not that we don't know about that we're not really thinking of? Because, you know – you think of the top cornerback or the top wide receiver or the top running back and say, well, of course, those are the most important players. But is there anything kind of low key that sticks out to you as Louisville does this and good chance they win? I think, oh man, there, I mean, there's a lot that I could choose from. But I, where I'm going to go with is that I think a defensive X factor is that how well Chandler Jones is going to play at both corner and safety. Because we know how front heavy 
both the, cor- the corners and safety rooms are for Louisville. They've got great guys in Chandler Jones, Kytro Clark, uh, Kendrick Duncan, and Quintero Cole on the back end. But beyond, like, the starters at those four spots, there's there's some depth, but it's largely relatively unproven with the exception of maybe, you know, greedy Vance. And especially on the back end, the back end is probably one of the more thin units on the entire roster. So one one Chandler Jones is going to have to, I don't want to say excel, but play above average if he has to uh, take reps at safety. Because I, I, I can't envision both Q Cole and Duncan playing like all, I'm just throwing it out right there, like potentially 80 snaps on the back end during this game against Ole Miss. So at some point, someone's going to have to take some reps back there. And it, it it's probably going to be Josh Makins. It's probably going to be Ben, uh, ben Perry at some point. But at some, I know with how this defensive staff preaches defensive versatility, uh, Jones is going to get his reps back there at some point. So what he in when he does he's going to be he's going to have to play at that position as well as he plays corner because from everything we've heard he's he's looked a lot better in camp than he did last year so he's gonna he's gonna have an increase in production at corner but he also has to kind of a sort of replicate that sort of success when he plays at safety as well especially considering you know behind the first few guys at safety there's not a lot there so i think when it comes to Continuing on the secondary's overall success from last season, especially since they lost so many guys and brought so many newcomers in, Chandler Jones is probably going to have to take on more responsibilities. And if he's able to excel at both corner and safety, I think it'll spell a lot more success for the like holding uh, opposing quarterbacks their yardage down when it comes than it comes to you know the individual successes of say Clark, Duncan, or Cole. Yeah, I think the secondary, it's it's funny you say the number of different ways that you could go. My my first thought was to go to the secondary, and, and Vince, you mentioned it earlier, I think Greedy Vance is going to play an extremely important role here because of the fact that he is the least unknown, the most likely to be picked on by Ole Miss. They're going to test him. They're going to see, can he cover an SEC guy and how he responds, especially when Chandler John, Jones does go to, to safety, right? So that's your second, you're really your most experienced corner going to a different position. So let's obviously test the guy that we don't know. I say all of that to say, I'm going to talk about the linebackers because one thing that Ole Miss has done a lot this offseason, whether it's their offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin, the wide receivers, they have talked about how good Jerry on early uh, Ely is going to be for them. He's a running back. I think he had about 700 yards last year, nine touchdowns. Uh, he only caught roughly about 150 uh, yards, you know, receiving had maybe like 15 catches. Uh, so it's not like he's got these crazy stats, but they are talking about this being their guy. Like this is going to be the best player on their team. Um, and that is going to put a lot of pressure on Louisville's linebackers, Monty Montgomery, CJ Avery, Yasir Abdullah, Nick OKK, uh, Marvin Dallas, Jack Fago. The, these guys are going to have to tackle in space and make plays because they're going to be a lot of pop passes, a lot of screens, a lot of dump downs. Um, they're going to try to get him in space the best they can. And I know from my eye of watching Louisville over the last six years, maybe going all the way back into the early Petrino days, 
they have not been able to tackle in space. They have not done a great job of being able to, against fast-paced offenses, bring guys down uh, and stop them from those six, seven, eight-yard plays that just absolutely kill you on a drive. And if the if the speed that we've heard about is there for the linebackers, which, I mean, Gigi told me last year that Monty Montgomery is the fastest football player he's ever seen on a defense. If that, like, comes true and we see that at that level and they can slow him down, it opens up the game completely for what the defense can do rushing the passer. Gigi is very, very much right on Monty. Uh, he's the most quick twitch guy you've ever been around. And uh, I've been around some pretty bad tackling, too. I was part of that 2018 team, so I've seen some crazy stuff. But uh, <laughs> Monty closes space very well, and CJ's a thumper, so I'm a – they're, they're going to be very well tackling. It's just going to be my, my issue is more with the D-line and whether or not they're going to be able to hold up uh, those 300-pound-plus across the board O-linemen that Ole Miss has and, you know, keep them off the linebackers so those guys can go make plays. Who's the defensive lineman that makes the plays then? Like, if you're, if you're looking at it, who is the guy that you're putting your trust in to, to be the difference maker? Uh, last year, Desmond Tell was out a long time. So I like Desmond Tell. I, th- I think he'll be the difference maker on the D-line. That's, that's interesting because all offseason, Matt, we talked about how we didn't even think the defensive tackle was on the roster up until they added Jock Turner from, from Southern Miss. And, and Desmond Tell did miss the spring with an injury. Malik Clark is a guy that has – it feels like he's been in college since I was in college, and he's only like a redshirt sophomore. Um, but there's guys that have depth there, and really anyone could emerge. And we, you know, we really – from our eye, we really can't tell, um, you know, without having, you know, much access to spring ball and things like that, these defensive linemen who are going to have an impact. But it seems like most of the talk, talking has been on Yaya Diaby. Uh, what do you guys expect from him this weekend, uh, this this coming up week against Ole Miss? It, you know, is this going to be a game where he breaks out or is it something where, you know, we kind of see, okay, there's still some room to go? I think whenever you say you're going to have a 10-plus sack season, I hope for his sake that he has a good start to the season. Right. I mean, when he said that, I mean, it, it, it made my eyebrows raise a little bit because, you know, that's a pretty lofty goal because I think he had only two and a half maybe last year. But, I mean, based on everything we've heard from the staff, he's performed amazingly in, in camp. Physically, he looks the part. I've talked to him in person a couple times, and I know you've heard Sat say how certain people have done a tremendous job in the weight room, and Yaya is one of them. Having been face-to-face with him, I, I can – I can confirm that Yaya is indeed a freak of nature right now. So if, if he is able to up his game when it comes to, you know, the fundamentals and, and things of that nature, I, I could actually see him have a breakout year, may, maybe not 10 plus sex, but that's a, that's a pretty lofty goal, but it wouldn't completely surprise me if it did. And he, he's going to have a, a heck of a test against uh, Ole Miss just because of how fast they play. He's going to have to get in the backfield extremely fast. Yeah, that's going to be the, – the Battle of the Trenches will definitely be an area to watch here. All right, let's go into the last bit of the show here. I want to do some predictions. Matt and I have already predicted our win-loss um, in our last episode looking at the schedule, so you guys can go back and look at that. Matt and I both agree that this game will be a loss. I've got this game ending in heartbreaking fashion with Louisville losing on a last-second field goal. Um, Matt believes it will be a little bit closer or a little bit further of, a, of an outcome, but still a close game. Uh, Matt, let's do our predictions of something we think is going to happen in the game. But Vince, I want to start with you. What do you? What is your prediction on who wins this game and what the score is? I think we win the game. Uh, bold pre- for your first appearance. I, this yeah, is bold. I, yeah, Coming yeah. out strong. I like it. I, I'm telling you. So Ole Miss, 
I have a feeling they're underestimating us. I'm getting a very big 2019 Notre Dame vibes with this, where we came out swinging, we looked good, but we made some mistakes. We made small, meticulous mistakes that you all might not have caught that cost us field position, turnovers, just small stuff that I think they'll do better in this game, being on year three with Coach Satterfield, having all spring ball, having all fall camp. I think we went 35-20. 35-21? I think B. Brown is going to do a phenomenal job defense with, uh, with Lane Kiffin. This is his alma mater. He takes great pride in beating teams out of Mississippi. So I think he's going to be uh, teed up a little bit. And Coach Brewer at the same time, his dad was an Ole Miss legend. So there's some want to beat these guys from this coaching staff. And I know the guys will play harder knowing that the coaches are taking a little bit extra pride with, uh, with Ole Miss. So that is in, once again, incredible incredible insight yeah the the gunner brewer and brian brown situation is super fascinating i forgot that gunner brewer had told us matt that that game matters he's got family there he's got a house there they they still frequent mississippi and jack pick now another guy that was on the old miss staff so yeah that's an interesting um an interesting little and you and 35 20 21 is that what you said i think lane kiffin's gonna take a lot of shots and our db is gonna be ready for it so hammer right. is what you're saying <laughs> I am like, I'm speechless over here. I was not expecting that. I, I really, I thought long and hard because I didn't want to come on here the first time and say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll see how so that pans I was out like, you know what? I'm like, what, whatever. The first game of the year, we'll get a good check and see how these guys respond to adversity. We'll see everything. And, you know, if I'm completely wrong, I'm the new guy. So. Exactly. We are, <laughs> if we're completely wrong all the time, we just pretend it never happened and move on. It's just how you got to do here. All right, Matt, my prediction for this game is that at some point, this is going to sound really silly, but at some point in the game, Maybe even multiple times, Kirk Herbstreet is going to be drooling over how fast the Louisville linebackers are. I can just picture him in my head <laughs> breaking down a play where Louisville forces a turnover in his in his Kirk Herbstreet. Man, I cannot believe how fast these linebackers are. I, I really do think that that Monty and CJ are going to put on a show. CJ Avery did not come back for another year to get spanked in Week One against an SEC team. I, I really uh, he was a part of that he's from Mississippi too, and he and he witnessed that uh, you know was firsthand had to deal with that tornado that was Alabama in 2018. So he he knows what it's like to go up against an SEC school in week one and get get absolutely blown out. I, I really do think that those guys are going to be impressive. And I know Monty played a lot last year, but when you have Dorian out there, it's a completely different mix of players. When Monty is out there 90% of the time, it's just going to look different because his speed is just unbelievable. I know it sounds silly again, but it's going to look different. Like you're going to be able to tell a noticeable difference with the speed on the defense. All right, Matt, what do you have? Final prediction here before we, we sign off for the week. I know my, mine's not as like bold as your guys' uh, picks, but I'm going to I'm going to say that all three phases of the, of Louisville, of Louisville's team find a way to score: offense, defense, special teams. I say I that it. I say it's not as bold, but now that I've actually said it coming out of my mouth, it I it it might be a little bit bold. Especially when it comes to the defense, I, I I could see a hard time seeing a scoop and score or a pick six. But you know what? Screw it. We're going with bold predictions. You know what? Yeah, all three phases of the game are going to score. I love so, it, man. Special teams is going to get a kickoff or a punt return touchdown. Defense is going to get a scoop and score or pick six, or pick six. And then obviously offense is going to score in however fashion they choose. Yeah, multiple times, hopefully. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here. Bold predictions, as always. If we're wrong, again, we will pretend we never said them. We will delete the audio. It will be scrubbed. You'll never know that we did that. But uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow me at Jacob Lane 8 
at General Wasp is Matt, uh, and you can check out his work at the Louisville Report. Of course, check out stateoflouisville.com. And then Vince, give the people your Twitter handle and where they can follow this year. Hopefully, you're going to be providing some good insight on Twitter during games this year. It's just adds them to the coconuts. Now that you're not on the field, I'm expecting some coaching analysis out of you on Twitter. We'll have to coach you through that on the way through the season here. But again, thank you guys for tuning in. Go Cards. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.